Men, are you looking for a long-lasting, pain-free solution for erectile dysfunction or ED? Peak Performance is that solution. Our treatment has no side effects, so we don't need a speed-reading lawyer to read any legal disclaimers. <clears throat> okay, then what do you want me to do then? You can just listen, because Peak Performance uses a scientifically advanced technique called Focused Linear Compression Therapy. It's non-invasive, pain-free, and drug-free. Wow, amazing. Where do I sign up? It's easy. Call 1-800-210-8181 now to book a free blood flow evaluation and learn more. That's 1-800-210-8181. Is there anything else you want me to read, you know, since I'm here? You could read the website. Peakperformanceformen.com. Once again, that's peakperformanceformen.com. You're incredible. Thank you very much. Peak Performance. Man at his peak. Progressive presents Forest Metaphors. About bundling your home and auto. In sports, three goals is a hat trick. And when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, you get a hat trick of great savings and round-the-clock protection. So you might be thinking, wait, that's two things. A hat trick is three. But in this metaphor, great savings counts as two goals, and so does round-the-clock protection. So it's like four goals, and that's more than three. It's basic math. Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. And welcome to a Friday edition of the X-Zone. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to find out about the programming, we have available for you 724-365 on the X-Zone broadcast network. Visit www.xzbn.net. And for the X-Zone TV channel on Simul TV, simultv.com. And in the search engine, just type in X-Zone. My guest this hour is a gentleman we've had the pleasure of having on the show before. Dale Kazmarek is an investigator and president of the Ghost Research Society since its founding in 1977 and the author of Windy City Ghosts, Windy City Ghosts 2, a field guide to spirit photography, illuminating the darkness, the mystery of spook lights, field guide to ghost hunting techniques, and field guide to haunted highways and bridges. Um... If you'd like more information on Dale and his team, as well as the, um, the Ghost Research Society, visit their website at www.ghostresearch.org. And Dale, welcome back to the X-Zone. Great to be here. So uh, what is new in the world of ghosts uh, and uh, the investigations that you and the other members of the Ghost Research Society have been up to? Well, we had a very busy 2019. Uh, we went to quite a number of different places. Mm -hmm. We always tend to do about 25, 30 cases a year. Right. Usually during right. The summer months, kind of crams in a lot during just a, a few months here. And uh, we went to uh, a number of interesting places this year, including one uh, one of my favorites I've been looking forward to seeing for a long time. It was called Lake Shawnee Amusement Park uh, in Rook. Uh, West Virginia. It's mm -hmm. an old abandoned amusement park that had um, a lot of interesting stories and uh, a lot of history about the Shawnee Indians living on the property before and uh, this uh, Mitchell Clay family who had a, a very early homestead on the property and unfortunately uh, was a victim of a, a, a partial Indian massacre. At least many of his mm -hmm. children were killed. And uh, so it's thought to be haunted not only by the, the Mitchell Clay family, but there are a lot of Indian remains actually found on the property uh, that were actually excavated by archaeologists uh, throughout the years. Uh, we had a chance to uh, be 
be out there uh, pretty much the whole day, the, all, all evening long, and uh, mm-hmm. investigated quite a number of different places. There's a, um, there was a, a number of untimely deaths that actually occurred in this on the property when it was actually an amusement park. There was uh, one child that uh, uh, got backed into by a truck and oh, was gosh. crushed. Another one died uh, in a swimming pool uh, accident on the mm-hmm. property, and yet another one died in the lake. So there's been quite a number of untimely deaths on the property, and that's one of the areas that uh, we, we note that uh, there there does seem to be some connection between ghost and untimely death. Whenever you have that uh, the two together, it's often an indicator that there could be something there. And uh, uh, we spent the entire night there doing uh, uh, EVP sessions, uh, just going out with a lot of our new equipment that we had, uh, picking up some uh, very interesting interactions. Uh, we use this device that we call a phasma box, which is an actually uh, it's a Windows-based unit. It's an mm-hmm. application. Uh, and I know what people are going to say is an application, but we've had some remarkable results with this, actually giving out full sentences in response to questions asked. And uh, we were actually in an old uh, 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 school bus that was on the property that was actually part of a haunted house attraction that they do about every year for for charity. Sure. And we were in there, and uh, we were just asking questions, and I was there with my two friends, uh, Bob and Tim, and... Uh, uh, people can go to my website and actually look up Lake Shawnee on there, and you can actually see where it actually says, Hi, Tim, and Hi, Bob. And uh, that's, that's pretty cool because, it's, you know, they're pretty common names, but, I mean, sure. to have those two in the bus with you and have their names called out, it felt kind of a little bit, uh, uh, you know, a little hurt that they didn't call my name out, too. Uh, but, unfortunately, uh, my name's not a very common name. And... Uh, we had other things happen throughout the evening. We had some uh, uh, some different fluctuations in our equipment. We had a lot of EVPs we had. Uh, I probably wish I would have investigated much more of it because it was a pretty extensive area. It was a number of acres of property on the land that we could have explored, including uh, where the Mitchell Clay family is buried, um, an area where uh, people have actually been pushed out of a concession booth. Ticket booth that people used to buy tickets for one right. of the amusements, and people would go in there to get their pictures taken and feel hands on their back and be literally pushed out of the room, you know, flying out of the, the, the location. We didn't have a chance to, unfortunately, investigate all these places. But we kind of coupled that investigation with another one we did in St. Albans, uh, which was a sanatorium um, in Radford, West Virginia. And that was a pretty amazing large building we investigated again pretty much all night. So we were very busy uh, last year. It sounds like it. Now, you know, uh, you were mentioning this app that you, you used. And, and yes, I, I agree that there are some people who, you know, do not understand that these apps are quite effective. You know, no matter what the app is, whether it's a business app or a photography app, you know, they really work. So what is the name of this app that you tried? You got the results that you did. And how does it work? Well, it's called the Phasma Box. And um, it's basically you can get it through extremesenses.com. I get, mm-hmm. get, get my little plug there, but I, I've had, I got a number of their applications. They seem to work really well. This one in particular, right. what it uses is it employs uh, a bit of Internet radio mixed with sound banks and a reverb and echo effect. And the idea is that the spirits are able in some way, shape, or form to manipulate what comes through the device 
sometimes in response to, to questions. Now, we've got some very good examples on my website uh, where we went to two in particular. I'll give you very quick examples of uh, one we went to an, a, a casket factory in Elgin, Illinois. Right. And it kind of dressed it up for a kind of a walk through haunted house around uh, Halloween. Mm-hmm. And they had a kind of a, a fake fuse box on the wall. Now, we were using a device called a. Uh, uh, a structured light sensor. It's one of those devices where uh, it shows something up, uh, something shows up in the, 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 the mapped out area, it'll show up as a, as a stick figure. Mm-hmm. And there was a stick figure standing next to the box. So I immediately said, well, if you're standing next to the box, can you touch the box, throw one of those switches, a voice came through and it says, it doesn't work. And I go, well, that's really amazing because it, it wasn't just, a, it was there for effect only. Hmm. Uh, we went to another place. With, we went to a cemetery in Indiana. Uh, it just had a sign. There were no graves out there. We asked a simple question, how many graves are out here? There right. was a short pause. A voice comes through very clearly. It says, more than 100. It, it, uh, is this common where you actually have a... Um, a conversation with spirits and get the these answers like the stick figure who knew that the box the electric box was was just basically a prop and when the other spirit in the school bus knew the other two names is this common it, it's becoming more common I, I see I mean throughout the years I've been doing this since the the uh, the, the middle 1970s mm-hmm. I've actually seen the progression throughout the years and the decades of the paranormal equipment right. getting better and better, more more scientific, and um, much more able to capture and get uh, scientific uh, readings, and in some cases, direct responses to questions. And many of these real-time devices that we, that we use now, whether it be the Phasma box, or the Obelisk, or the ghost boxes, or the mini portals, or uh, things of that nature, right. that, give you the opportunity rather than in the past where you used to simply ask a question, leave some blank space, ask the question, leave some blank space, and then later play it back. Here, you can actually ask a question, and in some cases, not all the time, but in some cases, and becoming more often than not, you'll get some kind of response. Now, it may be, a, it may be kind of an off-the-wall response, but it mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense, and I often attribute that to like a child playing with a new toy, right. they have to learn how to manipulate the device before intelligent responses begin to come out. And then we might get you know, a word that comes through, we might mm-hmm. get an entire sentence that comes through. Uh, there are many examples on my website of entire sentences coming through that make perfect sense to the questions we just asked. And we've got to take a break here, Dale, uh, but ExoNation... Go to Dale's website. It's a fascinating website. You'll be able to hear the the examples that we're talking about here and a lot more. Once again, Dale Kesmerick is our special guest this hour, and his website is ghostresearch.org. That's www.ghostresearch.org. And Dale and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away.
Exo Nation, my guest this hour is Dale Kazmarek, and um, Dale is with the um, the Ghost Research Society, and his website is ghostresearch.org. Now, before we get back to Dale, I'd like to uh, I'd like to say hello to Larry Lawson, who is the host of Paranormal Stakeout, who is in the hospital. And I found out only earlier today when Larry sent me a, a, a message on MSN Messenger saying. Hey, buddy, sorry I've been out of touch, but I nearly became a real investigator on the other side. And uh, basically, he was telling me that he was in the hospital with something quite serious. He's back at home resting now. So, Larry, get well soon, my friend. And uh, thanks for the heads up. Seems that there's a lot of strange things going on these days. Last night, I had Gloria Prima on the show, who is a scientist. She's written a book called It's All uh, it's all light. And, uh, you know, she's trying to make the connection between science and the paranormal. One of the very few scientists, to my knowledge, that are doing this. And, Dale, you and I were talking about the advances that are being made in equipment that you and other paranormal investigators are going to be, uh, that are you're able to use right now. What is the most exciting piece of equipment that you and your teams use? Well, actually, I picked up a couple of brand-new pieces of equipment this year mm -hmm. that I'm very excited. I haven't had a chance yet to actually debut them. Uh, one is actually a red laser grid. Now, that in itself doesn't sound uh, too, uh, you know, you know it sounds pretty ordinary because a lot of people have laser grids. Right. But this one has a lot of different features. Uh, first of all, it, uh, it will allow you to track not only what, you might pick up as far as the distance. Uh, it'll tell you how close it is to the detector device. It'll also tell you the temperature of the and and the direction of which is traveling, left or right, up or down, wow. you know, diagonally. And the really neat feature is it's got a little uh, uh, box of LED lights on the uh, the detector. So if something goes through and breaks the beam. Mm -hmm the lights will light up and show the configuration of what just went through. Wow. So if it, if it shows up like a figure mm -hmm. or an animal or something else, it'll actually show it up, and you can, you can actually videotape it and record it. Um, that is a really neat uh, feature. It's called a GS2 laser grid that I just got a hold of. Uh, not very expensive. Uh, I think it was uh, uh, $250, $300. Um, but... Uh, that's very exciting. Um, another one I'm very interested in uh, using this year as well is a, a thermal tablet, um, which works much like a flare system, mm -hmm. forward-looking infrared. Right. Uh, except this is on a tablet. It uses what's called a seek device to pick up the, uh, the differences in temperature and so forth. Uh, so I'm looking to use that a lot. Uh, not so much to pick up uh, cold spots because you really can't detect cold spots with that unless the cold spot or the, the entity or whatever has some mass mm -hmm. that the device can then reflect off and send a signal back to it. I also picked up a, um, a, uh, a pair of infrared binoculars, but these are a little bit different from the ones I've had in the past. They illuminate about 300 feet away, and they give you the opportunity to actually take pictures and videotape what you're seeing at the same time, which is then loaded onto a little SD card, which you, you can then pull out and put on your laptop for later examination, which uh, that's a very uh, interesting feature. So a lot, a lot of neat things coming out. Uh, 
uh, almost every year, um, I find some. Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Progressive presents Forest Metaphors. About bundling your home and auto. In sports, three goals is a hat trick. And when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, you get a hat trick of great savings and round-the-clock protection. So you might be thinking, wait, that's two things. A hat trick is three. But in this metaphor, great savings counts as two goals, and so does round-the-clock protection. So it's like four goals, and that's more than three. It's basic math. Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. Something that some... uh I call them geniuses, that's out mm-hmm. there in the paranormal field, a building uh, just basically for the strict uh, express of, uh, way of uh, examining ghosts. I mean, they're, they're, that's the only purpose they have for them. Uh, unlike when I first started out, uh, many of the devices, you had to kind of adapt for other purposes, you know, like K2 meters and cell sensors and other devices that really were made for not picking up ghosts, but just picking up energies. Now everybody seems to be out there, a lot of people, especially in the paranormal field, building devices specifically designed for ghost research and ghost detection, which I think is uh, very refreshing. For the, in, for the listening audience who may not have had the opportunity of hearing you on the show before, how did you get started in the paranormal? Well, I got started way back probably as a child. My mm-hmm. parents and grandparents telling me ghost stories as a youngster. Um, I never had a, a paranormal experience as I was growing up. In fact, I had a very uneventful childhood. Um, uh, but later on in life, you know, after my parents and grandparents told me these stories, in fact, many of them uh, right in my neighborhood in, in and around the Chicagoland area, I later began to go out and to explore some of these locations to find out if the stories I had heard were real. Mm-hmm. Were they, you know, urban legends, old wives' tales, fabrications, you know, folklore. And that's what really got me started in the field. And, of course, starting out in the 1970s is just like starting out back even a century earlier, except for some of the features, you don't have a lot of equipment. I mean, my basic ghost hunting arsenal was a cassette tape recorder, a 35-millimeter right. camera, and my EMF detector was a compass, hmm. uh, because a compass should point to true magnetic north right. unless it comes in contact with a strong magnetic field. So that was very limited in what I could do. I was shooting a lot of infrared film, which... Uh, uh, I have a lot of good examples on my website of, of images that I had captured back in the late 70s uh, with infrared film, things that were not visible to the naked eye that later showed up on the film. Pretty amazing. And uh, it's very hard to find that type of film. Of course, many people nowadays use digital, so they're kind of getting away from that film. Right. Yeah. But uh, I just uh, got interested, uh, involved with a bunch of like-minded people back in the 1970s. We founded what was then called the Ghost Trackers Club, and I worked as five years as a research assistant until, until 1982. Uh, we uh, changed the name to Ghost Research Society, and I became 
um, the lead investigator of the group, and just from there it just kind of blossomed. I began writing books, traveling across the country, and doing investigations, and now that's pretty much uh, what I do full-time since uh, at least uh, 2009 when I retired. So uh, retired a little bit early, 56, so uh, for the past uh, uh, more than 10 years I've just been doing this kind of full-time, which is really nice. I travel all over the country, do investigations, and talk to a lot of people, do a lot of private homes, private businesses. Yeah. Is there a difference in the frequency, or are you noticing a difference in the frequency in which the contact is being made by ghosts or spirits with investigators? Is it like they want to be identified, they want to make contact Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I've, we've noticed this uh, in places uh, that are, many times we're the first investigators, and that's mm-hmm. what it's always unique, being the first investigators into a location. And there's been a number of places we've been to that nobody else has been to. And um, going into places like that, there may have been ghosts, you know, hanging around for, uh, you know, centuries or decades or at least many years and you are the first people to go in there to maybe uh, uh, communicate with them and they're very willing to talk about themselves uh, sometimes give out information about names maybe uh, we don't normally get into how he died because again that's a uh, right. kind of an area that uh, if you believe that ghosts are around because of an untimely death they mm-hmm. may not actually realize that they have passed on. So we just try to hold the conversation with the spirit, just like me and you are talking on the phone, and if that doesn't work, then we try to do like role-playing. If we're in a hospital, in an old hospital, we might be dressed up in doctor's uniforms and maybe trying to operate on patients or just make-believe operations. Sure. Is. Or, you know, if we're in a Civil War location, we might be have Civil War trigger objects or things of that nature. And these are the ways that it, can better your chances of getting something because you're interacting with ghosts uh, and objects that they recognize from their time frame. Uh, Civil War bullets, uh, mm-hmm. money from that period, even uh, playing what I call trigger music, you know, music from that time period. Say if you're in the Roaring Twenties in Chicago, you might be playing something um, from the Roaring Twenties or right. during the Big Bands era. You might be mm-hmm. playing something from Tommy Dorsey. Sure. Well, it makes a lot of sense. It sure does, and I think a lot of these spirits, they, they kind of, uh, they, they recognize that, mm-hmm. and they're more willing to kind of open up about themselves and get information about themselves out, and sometimes we'll get nothing, sometimes we'll get a lot, it really varies from place to place and where we're at, but uh, um, this year I know we're going to be, uh, again, as usual, very, very busy going to places, one of our uh, places we're going to be going back to again this year is uh, Gettysburg. Uh, the site of the Civil War battle right. in 1863. Yep. We've had a lot of success out there in the past. Do you, I've got to take my commercial break. I'm really enjoying our conversation, Dale, so please stand by. And Dexonation, if you'd like more information about Dale Kaczmarek, and if you'd like to visit the website of the Ghost Research Society, the website is ghostresearch.org. I'm Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon, and we have to take our news break right now, but... If you'd like to uh, check out the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. 
the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV on the search engine at simultv.com. Just type in Exxon and all our programming is there. You can even, I think they, they even put up little clips now of the different shows we have up there. And of course, the X Chronicles newspaper is always free with our compliments at www.xchroniclesnewspaper.com. I'll be back on the other side of this news break as we continue from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. Dale Kazmierk is our special guest this hour, Exonation. He is with the Ghost Research Society, and their website is ghostresearch.org. Uh, Dale, what do you think about these people who go in and they actually seem to taunt or to challenge the ghosts? Um, why do yeah, they do I, that? You might call them call it provoking, actually. That's what we like to okay. Um we have never provoked. In fact, uh, I think it's in some cases uh, very disrespectful mm-hmm. uh, to go into a location and to uh, provoke uh, a spirit that might be there. Um, we get a lot of our evidence without even having to do that. So um, I know some of these TV shows on TV do that. Um, there's There are a couple, I won't mention their names, that are very... They're very, very uh, known for provoking. They seem to get some results, but again, it's a TV program, so you're really not sure. That they're like reality TV shows, I like to call them, uh, not truly what the, uh, the the field's all about. Right. But I think that uh, when you go out to a location, you should be very respectful of spirits that might be there. Again, like we do, try to just talk with them like me and you are talking, mm-hmm. try to get information about why they're there, um, Maybe they don't realize that they have passed on. Um, just generally con- converse. My my real purpose of going out to these locations is, is to try to gather evidence. Uh, obviously, I like to have an experience myself. I mean, a lot of people would probably run if they had an experience, like something tapping them on the shoulder or something appearing in front of them. But these are the kind of things I live for, is going to places to literally see, experience, uh, and bring back evidence that I can say, uh, through what we've collected as far as video, audio, pictures, or uh, just personal encounters uh, at locations. And right. uh, we all, I try to share those on my, uh, my web page and also my YouTube page. I have a Facebook page as well that people can go to the Ghost Research Society on YouTube. Um, they can also find me on, uh, excuse me, on Facebook and on YouTube. Uh, so uh, I think that, you know, again, getting back to provoking, it's just something that we just don't do. Uh, we get plenty of evidence without having to provoke, and I think we get a lot better evidence. I think sometimes if you provoke and you're disrespectful, and then you get a kind of a negative response back, well, then you've kind of asked for it pretty yeah. much. Uh, the spirits are maybe not so happy that you're doing that, and they might kind of lash out in one way, shape, or form. Is there a connection between... 
the type of investigation that you do, I've, I've always thought you're a very credible person and you're very logical. And, and I love the way that you and your group go out and the respect that you show is amazing because I've had guests on this show and I'm not going to mention their name, but everything about them is demonic. You know, yeah. it, that's, is, that's is this something that I've noticed too, unfortunately. Yeah. And it's, it's a shame because, uh, I see so many of these TV shows. I'm, mm-hmm. Again, I'm not going to mention the names, yep. but they're on various, mostly on the travel channel here in the States. I've been on the travel channel several times myself. But, you know, when, when I first started out, I mean, it was looking for, you know, the possibility that there was life after that. And that was my big reason for getting involved and also trying to prove uh, one way, shape, or form that ghosts exist or don't exist. And you don't always have to go after something that's very negative. A lot of these TV shows, when they first started out, they were just, they were literally just you know, investigating what I would call you know, ordinary ghosts or like a, a Casper-type yeah. ghost, you know, a friendly spirit, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, a you know, disembodied spirit of a once-living person like you or I that's for some reason hanging around location. But I guess for some reason that wasn't enough for the TV sponsors. They wanted something more sensational, and this is what I truly believe. They want something like the Amityville Horror, like blood coming oh, yeah. out of the walls, people being literally chased out of their homes, people possessed, people being scratched, being attacked, their hair pulled, pushed down the stairs. Um, this happens so rarely. In fact, it's less than 2% of the cases that are normally investigated. I mean, uh, of course, if you put these TV shows together, it's probably about 80% yes. or 85% of what they show mm-hmm. is negativity and um, uh, demonic stuff. I always believe that like attracts like. If you're going out looking for something like that, you're going to find it. Uh, we screen our cases very, very carefully. When I talk to somebody, whether it be a stranger, a person who's got a business, a home, mm-hmm. uh, or, or a, a big venue that's haunted, you know, I let them tell their, their story in their own words, but then I ask certain questions and kind of rule out what I believe to be, you know, or at least kind of get an idea of what's going on. And if I believe that there's something negative, demonic, which very, very rarely happens, uh, I would then suggest that they go to get somebody that's more seasoned in demonology or maybe go to the clergy and have the clergy step in. It's something that, obviously, if I know something that's very negative that I've interviewed, mm-hmm. why in the heck would I want to go jump in with both feet exactly. to a place that's very negative? I right. mean, it's just not what I'd want to do. And I think these shows, that's what people want to see. You wouldn't believe how many times I get uh, people, uh, TV shows, producers, uh, writing me, uh, texting me, emailing me or whatever, and saying, uh, we got this new show but this is what we want. We want people being driven out of their homes, being people being attacked, being being possessed. I said, "What? Well, I'm sorry, you got the wrong person. I just don't come across that kind of phenomenon. You know, I, re- I remember years ago, like this is our 30th year doing this show. And when the show first started, like you said, it was kind of Casper the Friendly Ghosts. But then as the movies came out, and the mass media was able to get a taste of the excitement. And I agree with you. Reality TV is anything but reality. It's, you know, it's 
Television, like any other media, is geared towards numbers. Now, I would rather try and get the best numbers I can by giving an honest and two-sided interview without the sensationalistic uh, props and the, the uh, made-up stories just, just for numbers. But well, that's why that's why a lot of these these shows that that came out that I that I was on mm-hmm. uh, decades ago, like Sighting, yeah. Unsolved Mysteries, That's Incredible, mm-hmm. uh, you know, things of, of these of that nature. When I was on those shows, and I was on those shows multiple times, uh, even one TV show from uh, NBC called The Other Side, which is a daily paranormal show, I was on that three times. I, we went to locations that were haunted. And what they were more interested in seeing was how I go about an investigation, right. showing how I set up equipment, so forth and so on. And if we got something paranormal, well, mm-hmm. that was an extra. That was a, the icing on top of the cake. Uh, now these TV shows, they expect you to have something paranormal. And in my, in my opinion, I, I think a lot of these shows, they make you fake stuff if you don't get stuff through a normal investigation, which is really sad because... I won't be on a show that asks me to fake investig- uh, fake evidence because it leads uh, to um, my credibility. Yes, that's you right. Know, and my reliability is being a straightforward uh, investigator. As well as the YouTube channels that are out there. I've seen some of the YouTube channels where I'm looking and I'm saying, you've got to be kidding. Are you on crack? <laughs> I guess like, and, yeah. and yet there are people who are getting into the the aspect of the paranormal who go to YouTube and they see all these out-of-this-world paranormal investigations going on, and, and they believe it. Yeah, I mean, um, it's, it's buyer beware, that's what I always yeah. say. When it, if something looks too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. Uh, they have a show on television now called Paranormal, uh, uh, caught on camera. And I've seen a lot of these things where they, they show... All this stuff flying, doors opening, uh, cabinets being lifted up, right. and silverware being thrown away. I'm going, huh? I mean, wow. I mean, somebody's got a lot of strings they're pulling and a lot of special effects because yeah. for that to happen like that all in a span of a few minutes, it's, it's asking too much to believe, literally. And I, I've seen a lot. Mm-hmm. I haven't been in a poltergeist case like that. But to see that much poltergeist phenomena, I mean, it's just unreal. It's just too much to believe but it is sensationalistic isn't it it sure is and that's what people want to see yeah. it's sensational they want to see stuff that is is almost too good to believe uh because they figure and this, this is where the main thing comes in they see it on tv so because it's on tv well it's got to be real of course of course Dale, you and I have to take our final break. Um, let our listeners know how they can get copies of your books because you've got some great books there. They can get to me on, on various ways. They can contact me uh, at my uh, uh, regular email, which is simply dale, D-A-L-E, at ghostresearch.org. They can go to my website, ghostresearch.org. Or they can uh, uh, check me on uh uh, Facebook. I have a Facebook page and a Facebook page for my Ghost Research Society. And all the books are listed there and on the website. All right, Dale, stand by. You and I have to take our final break. And when we come back, we're going to be wrapping up this hour here in the X-Zone with our special guest, Dale Kasmerick, from the Ghost Research Society. And once again, his website is 
You ready for this? You got your pencils and paper? Uh-huh. Ghostresearch.org. Hmm. Dare to believe. Dare to be heard. Monday through Friday here in the Exxon from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern. And for all the programming we have available for you 24-7, 365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net and the Exxon TV channel on simultv.com. Dale Kismarek is our special guest. He is with the Ghost Research Society, and their website is ghostresearch.org. First of all, Dale, I want to thank you so much for joining us. It's been a great hour here with you, hearing about the advances in in paranormal technology, as well as some of the cases that you've worked on. But but when it comes to um, Gettysburg, that to me seems to be the mecca of the paranormal in the United States. Why do the ghosts remain there? Well, again, getting back to that idea of untimely death, just mm-hmm. think of what happened during the, the uh, war between the states. Yeah. Uh, you had literally people standing up uh, 30, 40, maybe 100 yards from one another, just standing up and shooting at each other. Wow. <laughs> and going down in big rows of uh, uh, you know, cannonballs hit it or uh, uh, shrapnel and so mm-hmm. forth. Uh, the poor sanitary conditions, amputations, gangrene, dying, uh, being left on the battlefield, uh, just all of that put together um, literally is a, a feeding ground for ghosts. I mean, I, I have literally traveled through, uh, almost hate to brag, but almost every major battle of the Civil War, uh, especially east of the Mississippi, uh, and I've, I've come across quite a number. I've investigated several places, including Gettysburg, mm-hmm. Antietam, uh, uh, Fredericksburg, and a few others at night was able to get out there after, uh, after hours. But Gettysburg is one place that always seems to draw me back because of the, the amount of people that were there. You had uh, you know, 80,000 80, people on the, on the Union side, 75,000 on the uh, uh, the Confederate side, and that town only held about two, 3,000 people. So you can imagine how oh many. God. You get 155,000 people suddenly there fighting and uh, horses dying and people right. just being left on the battlefield. It's, it, it's, I think the spirits that are on there, again, that may, mm-hmm. many of them maybe don't even realize that they have passed on, they have a story to tell. I mean, you hear cannon fire. You hear musket fire. I've actually seen... Horses, just visual apparitions at night of horses walking along the trail, and they don't take horses out at night. I've smelled cherry pipe tobacco. I've seen strange lights. I've seen, um, I've had experiences through EVPs out there mm-hmm. and disembodied voices. So these places are great. Um, you know, it's one of my favorite places to investigate. Uh, our Civil War battlefields, and we're going to be going to a couple of them, including Stones River, which is down in, in uh, 
Middle Tennessee. I'm going to be meeting with a police officer that actually had an encounter out there and hopefully try to recreate what he had and maybe even be able to videotape at this time. So um, I always tell my people that are out there listening, uh, that's an easy uh, gimme if you want to have a good chance of maybe picking up something. Go to a Civil War battlefield or Revolutionary War battlefield or someplace like that where there's been great loss of life. Apparently the asylums and hospitals are also a hotbed of, of activity. Absolutely. Hospitals, prisons, yeah. uh, sanitariums, uh, places like that where um, uh, you know, there have been either violence perpetrated on other people by other patients or in some cases in prisons where people have died or have been killed by their, by their other inmates. Um, you know, hospitals, obviously, are another great place because of people that die in hospitals all the time. But, I mean, mostly the trauma. People that come in, they're gunshot victims. They're, um, you know, they have some untimely way of, of leaving this earth. Maybe it wasn't, you know, it was an accident, mm-hmm. perhaps. Maybe it's what they weren't are supposed to leave the earth when they did. And those are the ones, again, that sometimes are just kind of like in a self-made purgatory. They're between two worlds, and there's waiting for people to kind of seek them out and communicate with them, and that's what we've been doing for uh, many years now. Well, while you were talking, uh, a question came to mind. If these spirits are staying behind, what does this do to the concept of reincarnation that some people believe in? Well, um, I'm not sure. Hmm. Uh, reincarnation again is just you know you know basically reincarnating, just going in from right. one body to, to another body to another life to, and people that have had past life experiences or have had been regressed actually tell about their previous life experiences, not their future life experiences, right. but their previous life experiences, and uh, yeah, I think ghosts are a little bit different. I mean, um, I think. In my, I've read a couple of books on, on, on uh, reincarnation, including one by my good friend Rosemary Ellen Guiley, who just passed uh, uh, just recently. Yeah. Um, and it seems like what I've read is those people that reincarnate, they reincarnate by just dying a natural death, at least the ones I've read about. It's not so much the untimely people, right. uh, the untimely okay. death. So maybe that's where that, uh, that mix comes into play. Got about five minutes left. What has been your most favorite out of all the years that you've been doing paranormal investigations? Your most favorite paranormal investigation? Well, that's asking for a lot, isn't it? I thought so. <laughs> um, I would say probably one of the ones I really enjoy doing, and I've been there about three times, is Trans Allegheny Lunatic Asylum in Western West Virginia, a 256,000 square foot building. Um, we actually, I actually had some uh, direct communication and an experience where a ghost actually touched me, which wow. not happens that often. Uh, we were in an isolation ward. There was a female uh, patient named Ruth who did not like male patients. I was investigating that location with three female um, investigators, uh, which is very important to note. I was the only male investigator there. Uh, suddenly my hand felt like it went to sleep. My hair stood up on end, goosebumps all over. The other three females felt nothing, no recordings, nah, nothing on the temperature gauges, and then something literally grabbed my butt cheek. Wow. <laughs> A cold hand, and you can actually see it on the, the link that I have on my site. Uh, I spun around. 
Uh, I was a little shocked at first, but I, you know, I just kind of said, bring it on, because <laughs> I wanted to experience it again. And again, those females felt nothing. We were doing an EVP session. I asked, do you want us to leave or do you want me to leave? One word came through, you, which made sense because I was in an area where she did not like male patients, male visitors, doctors, orderlies, whatever. It, it, uh, so I think that is a location that literally I heard at least and recorded nine disembodied screams during the first time I was there, which you can hear about eight of them on my website, that the, the more louder ones that were very audible as we walk through. And that's at www.ghostresearch.org. How can a ghost that is basically invisible touch you? Well, I think it's the energy okay. that the ghost is, is exerting. Um, you know, basically when a ghost is manifesting in an mm -hmm. area, it leaves behind a cold spot, a wake of coldness in the air. They use the heat to manifest, we believe, the heat being energy, molecules moving together, creating friction, creating heat, and that's what they use. They use the energies from our bodies, from our from our batteries to also manifest. And sometimes we're what we're experiencing is actually the energy, the physical energy given off by these spirits that come in the form of a touch on the shoulder, a brush on the hair, a grab on the butt cheek or something like that. I think that's what we're really experiencing is that energy. If one of our listeners tonight would like to become a paranormal investigator, what should they do? What are the do's and what are the don'ts? The, the big thing is to, I would always suggest somebody finding a, a research organization or somebody who's been doing it for some period of time, not an expert, I, I don't think there's any experts in the field, but people that have more whiskers, so to speak, and join that organization, kind of you know, go along with them for a while and experience what you can experience, learn from them before you go off on your own. I think it's, a lot of people make the mistake of trying to create their own group, uh, never having investigated before, they make a lot of mistakes. They watch too many TV shows, and they get into many, many uh, bad habits as a ghost investigator. Join a group that's well-established, and I think you never go wrong. Do you give courses as well, uh, Dale? I sure do. I, I do, do courses on uh, ghost hunting techniques. I, do, mm -hmm. I have one on spirit photography, one on uh, uh, EDP. Uh, we're going to be putting some of those actually up on my site sometime this year. I'm actually oh, recording cool. a bunch of YouTube videos and how-to videos that people can actually uh, look at, which is kind of a smaller cram course, but then if they're more interested, they can always uh, uh, check me out when I'm doing a conference or doing a workshop in the area, and I always put that information up on my website. You know, the time has come when you and I must say so long. Again, thank you so much for joining us. And let our listeners know one more time how they can contact you and find out all about your uh, organization. Sure. They can get me on my website at www.ghostresearch.org. That's ghostresearch.org. Or they can get me on my uh, email at simplydale, D-A-L-E, at ghostresearch.org. Or check me out on Facebook. Dale, thank you so much for joining us. Take care of yourself. Continued success. And let us know if you come across anything startling, interesting, or out of this world. We'd love to hear from you. I sure will. Thanks for having me, Rob. Take care, pal. Exonation. And once again, if you'd like to get more information on our guest this hour, Dale Kaczmarek, www.ghostresearch.org. 
Now, I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we can as we continue right here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. Don't go away. <laughs> 